Everybody, this is Dominic D'Angelo of several outlets, mostly inside the ropes, but here I am today. If you're watching on the Premier Streaming Network every Friday at 4.20 p.m., or if you're listening, I'm all over the podcast, and I am here with the star of the show. It is episode 19, and it is with Mr. Rob Van Dam. Rob, welcome to episode 19. <laughs> Happy episode 19, Dom. Feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good. Um I, so you got a workout in before this. I wanted to ask, were you getting pointers from uh, the Twitterverse over uh, what you should be doing and how you should be preparing over the, for the week? No, man. I was hoping uh, I was hoping you were going to be reading the uh, Ask RVD questions. And so I was leaving that up to you. Last <laughs> yep. time, dude, there's so many on there. Like, there's a lot of, like, I forget. That's how I know when it's Thursday is when I go to check my Twitter feed. And there's all these uh, questions, you know, like, uh, you know, which which of the Spice Girls would you like to bang the most? If you, you know, and I'm like, what? Oh, hashtag Ask RVD. Hashtag Ask Podcast day, okay. My vote's posh. I'm going posh spice. I like the one that likes girls, whatever one that one is. Is that Scary Spice or Sporty Spice? I, I can't remember. Probably two of them because they might be two together. That's true. I don't know. Mm been a while but you're right though we are going to do a full episode here this week of ask rvd because we had so many questions the past couple weeks and i forgot to do an episode okay a whole episode brother so it should be pretty fun um we'll run down some of the usual stuff here we'll we'll start with feedback going on um obviously we have some news coming up but we'll hit that after we hit the feedback um so may my foyo 7821 says, thank you for answering my question, RVD. I was having a shitty day at work, and hearing you take the time to respond was the positive I needed. Appreciate it. So I don't know what question we asked him, but kind of a, you know, he's having a shitty day. We're talking about thinking big picture stuff last week, synchronicities and all that stuff. Synchronicities, good stuff. That's the best. That's the best kind of feedback to get, you know, was like someone telling us that uh, that we're making a, a difference on their on their day, on their life whatever for the better because uh obviously those are the intentions so you let us let us know that we're hitting home with that and um you know lets us know that we should keep doing it it's, it's inspiring Absolutely. it's very Mo- motivating motivating invigorating all that yeah. therapeutic if you will johnny blaze kicks ass which he does rob i uh i need to get more into ghost Riders, so. um we were talking about uh your comic book shop i think that was off of what yeah yeah, Johnny Blaze was a big part of my childhood and a big part of uh, my adulthood uh, as well. Yeah, they've gotten different. Like, um, I think there was a a chick that was a ghostwriter. Like recently, I sometime in the last couple of years, I picked one up and looked at it, and I was like, "Oh, it's a it's a girl now." But then, uh, you know, they got to always continue the story, and so it's it's cool when you do keep up with it because then it just adds depth to the history of the character just like when 
RVD jumps from ECW to WWE or whatever. It's just it makes it uh, um, you know makes it makes the whole uh, the whole journey more validated. There's that crossover too of comic book fans and, and wrestling fans, and it just really makes sense because yeah. Uh, wrestling fans like they love continuity and i think that's a great aspect of comic books too is keeping up with the history and like the backlog of it all and so yeah um it's pretty neat to see that when that transpires in the comic book realm but also goes over to the wrestling realm for sure yeah if you're a really big fan then that means a lot because that's just like real to you, you right know? yeah you'll notice like what he didn't have a you know he, his sister died when they were three years old how the hell like what is the who is she? You know, but it makes sense to you because yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> Especially if you uh, keep up on it all. So. No. All right. So or Orchid in the basement says this has quickly become my favorite wrestling pod. You guys have great chemistry. Love the chatting format while still hitting on great topics. Hey, thanks a lot. So how about that? How about that? So, we got a, We got one. We got, we got one. We bagged one. <laughs> so um sean oliver of the click this podcast shared with us in a group text um dutch mantel apparently um his co-host they all went through like the podcasts of how many like you know and what people said like they wanted to get recommendations what people like about what podcasts they like wrestling podcasts like and what they dislike rob we got three likes on there so that's not too bad for starting off here pretty early so cool no negatives cool, no man. negatives for us so we're kicking we're kicking Nice. Uh, yeah. I like getting uh hearing Dutch Mantel's perspective on stuff too. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's quite he's, the, he's been around a minute. He knows what he's talking about. He absolutely knows what he's talking about. Yes, he does. Um so hey, Rob, uh what's so the news broke. You're gonna be at collision, it's in Grand Rapids, all that stuff. Um you hey, all, yep. Hand me hand me that drink, would you? This one sure. Yeah. All right, thanks. All right, you're welcome. I'm happy to help. <laughs> we got the same. We do got the same one. How about that? How about that? Okay. All right. And you said on Twitter, too, and as you mentioned before here, too, it was like, hey, you know, this kind of just happened by chance. Like, I didn't wasn't putting down any airs or nothing like that. This happened. Like, sometimes the business happens fast that way. Can you give any details about how it all kind of transpired and just Tony Khan hit you up and be like, boom, hey, we need you for Green Rapids. Are you interested in going? Basically, yeah, I was I was at the um, Hamburg Legends convention on a Saturday. Yeah, and, and and got a message from AEW asking if I could do September twenty third in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, and um, the thing about it is that must be their annual schedule because it was last year at this time, the first time they reached out to me and asked if I could do September 5th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that was the first time that I had talked to, talked to them. Oh. Tony specifically, that time it was Tony. And uh, nothing ever came of that booking, but I just kept that permission in my back pocket that I yeah. got to do that. And uh, so that's why it was a year later when uh, everything took place. And then I was like, well, I already got, you know, I already got the okay. That was a year ago, but um that came out of nowhere but that one didn't come out of nowhere that one was on the was like talked about for so long that i thought if i was going to do it again it would have to be a year from now since they're not even talking about it now but i was talking to the hardy boys about that at starcast mm -hmm. 
Matt was saying, no, it's not always like that. That's amazing, actually, that they talked about that so long ago and it ended up being just like what they talked about, uh, same dates and everything. And he said a lot of stuff's just thrown together like the night before. And then, you know, boom, that was this, like two weeks ahead of time. Uh, it's funny that I'm in Battle Creek, Michigan on the 30th, and they've been promoting that for all year building that match and then bringing RVD back to his hometown then just the seven days before I'm going to be in Grand Rapids which is over an hour away I mean in Michigan that's like that's another town like you know people don't travel there you know no, that's, no. <laughs> no it's like if you live in New York you know city you go to Philly and you go to New Jersey all the time maybe Delaware and the whole east coast you know Massachusetts, they, they, they go up and down the highway, but uh, if you're in Battle Creek, like, you don't, you don't, you don't go anywhere except maybe Kalamazoo. And that's like pack a lunch. It's a day trip. Cause it's 20 minutes away. So I don't expect uh, anyone to maybe just the most hardcore fans to be at both. But um, anyway, the, the Battle Creek show will still be the big homecoming. Um, the whole show is called the whole damn show, you know, and, and this, this one, I don't know to what extent um, I will be participating. I know I'll be wrestling. And as a matter of fact, I got a brand new outfit that um, that's right here. All right. Sent to me from uh, sent to me from Joe Holland. And, and um, I want to open that up during the show. But I'm going to wait and see if Katie comes home first because she can film me on the phone and we can send that to Joe. I don't know how to take it off of the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that fully works. Um, cool. Uh, have you seen the presentation of Collision of All as a television program, too? Uh, presentation of what? Of Collision, AEW Collision. No, I was wondering, like, I was wondering, I was confused. I didn't know they had three different shows, but that's yeah. what it is. So, okay, so Saturday's Collision, and then Friday's Dynamite, and Wednesday's Rampage, or... Well, Wednesday, Wednesday, other way around. Uh, Wednesday okay. is Dynamite, and then Friday is Rampage. But yeah, Collision is Saturday, and uh, Collision has a very WCW Nitro kind of vibe look to it, and everything like that. So okay, um, yeah, I I went to watch um, you know a recent AEW show to uh, you know just to freshen up or whatever, and uh, we don't have Collision. We I guess we weren't aware of that. That's when I realized we're recording the other two, but didn't realize it was three. So. Yeah, yeah, they just that just started it back in June, so okay, so it's a relatively new program, but it's kind of handled a little bit differently uh, and presented a little bit differently what than what Dynamite is. So um, someone told me that um, Collision was like built around CM Punk, and, and the yes, night. so initially it was, yeah, because um, it was kind of his show a lot of the times, and he was the featured player on it. Um, he made he jumped over to Dynamite like maybe once during his return. But he, that was his main show, and he was a big proponent of, you know, maybe certain types of talent and how it creatively got executed. And apparently now it's going like to be like Brian Danielson's, like, primary spot where he's going to be working at. So was that, so that was, like, where you would tune in mostly to see CM Punk then? You wouldn't be on the other yeah. shows? Yeah, he wouldn't be on the other shows. He wouldn't be, like, it was, it was a rare occasion where he made it on Dynamite. And there was kind of like a, I want to say, like, a loose brand split of the two. So there were certain stars that were mostly on Collision and then certain stars that were mostly on Dynamite. Now it's going to be a pretty big mix of both. So, 
Um, but yeah, it should be a cool atmosphere to see you there. Um, you might be seeing your uh, uh, September 30th opponent, Brian Cage, there too, because I know he's yeah. frequent. Yeah. Hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll just run in there in his match and like kick him or something and say Battle Creek Kellogg Center next week. Next week, it's only it's over an hour away. I know you're all stationary, but come on over. <laughs> Throw out little frisbees like Leaping Lanny Pop. Yeah, there you go. Literature on it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Sweet man. No, it should be pretty exciting to see you there. I, I think uh, it's a neat show. Uh, people, it's kind of like the crit critics' favorite of the of the, that uh, AEW shows. I'll be a hometown. Oh, good. I'll be. A, I'll get a nice hometown pop when they say from Battle Creek, Michigan. People will be like, "Oh my God, I heard of that. Isn't that like an hour and fifteen minutes from here?" Should <laughs> I go there? <laughs> and um, and will they have my music? That's what I was wondering too. Mm. I feel like they gotta, but they don't gotta. I don't know. They don't have to, but it would be sure be nice. It'd sure be nice. Rob, if you had to pick another song, like another copyrighted song, would there be another one that you'd be like, ah, I could go to this? I know you're not a big music guy or nothing like that, but is there a certain song that you'd be like, yeah, I could see myself walking out to that? Or is it kind of hard to shake Pantera? You know what I mean? One of a kind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that makes plenty of sense. And then there's the TNA. Um, Rob Van Dam, the whole effing show, or the uncensored version, Rob Van Dam, the whole fucking show. Ooh, one yeah. of these days, I don't know if we can pull it off on the podcast. Well, I guess we probably could on the audio, we could do the swear one, one of the curse words. But do we play that at the beginning of this? So, yes, so we play the you know, the censored yeah, version, the censored version yep. of it. Uh, it, they play it on the premiere, on the premiere video. On our YouTube, it's just straight to the video here. But on our podcast, on the audio, the music plays. So, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Yeah. Um, so like we right? <laughs> All right. So before we get to this, uh, apparently uh, today was some mass WWE releases that happened uh, that, that went down. And uh, a couple of familiar names that you, uh, I'm sure you've worked with over the course of your career was, one was Dolph Ziggler. Um, he got released today. Um, have you, you had some matches with him, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, he's known for his selling. He's known for a lot of great work as a worker. He's pretty well heralded among, amongst that, like amongst his colleagues and stuff. But what, what are your thoughts on Dolph overall as a, as a performer and a person? Wasn't he a breakaway cheerleader? Yes. So he was part of the spirit squad back yeah. then. Yeah. So That's... he was one of those several guys, uh, the, one of the few that actually made it through and, Probably, probably the best. I mean, you know, when you look at it, he was, yeah, he's really talented and uh, super cool dude too. I always got along with him. Um, you know, I can't believe he was still there. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I can't believe they got rid of him. I can't believe he was still there. You know, yeah. 20 years or something. That's 20 a good, years. good run. It's a good run. Yeah. Good run. And um, no, the reports were too that he wanted, to, he was kind of been wanting to get out of there like a few years ago even. And like, but WWE kept wanting to keep them around, you know. So everybody says that, you know what I mean. And I, and I don't. I, I find they don't all mean what they say, like I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having the conversation with a lot of the boys, and we're all just like, you know what? When my contract's up. Uh, I, I need a break. You know, I'm not going to resign. I mean, I don't want to name names like Booker T or Big Show or any of those guys, but. Um, but I will say, you know, that afterwards when I'd go visit and I'd hear like, why aren't you here? I'd say like, 
duh, weren't you listening to us when we were talking? (laughs) Did you not hear what you were saying? But I just remember this one time there was like a live show, probably Raw, seeing how sometimes they did SmackDown Live, but it was a fan voting thing. Like, who do you want to see in tonight's main event? Um, and it was RVD or Dolph Ziggler or uh, Kofi Kingston. One of them is facing whoever for whatever championship belt or whatever. And, and we all had to work earlier too. So just now we had to work twice, you know what I mean? And it was like um, all day during the show. Uh, Cause we didn't know. I knew but we didn't really know which way the fans were going to vote. I think we all had an idea which way the fans were going to vote because one of us was super over. Um, but all day, um, like every time I passed Dolph, you know, I'd be like, man, Dolph, good luck, bro. I'm rooting for you. And I really was because I didn't want to work again. I'm going, man. Then <laughs> he was doing the same thing. He's going, no, man, man, I, I really hope it's you, man. You deserve it, you know. And same thing to Kofi, you know, it was like uh, – <laughs> Like and then it was like they give updates throughout the show and it's like man no you're gonna pull ahead man you can do it come on come on baby. ended up I had to work twice I don't remember what the main event was I just remember that about it <laughs> we'll get YouTube Chris to look it up <laughs> yeah he probably knows he probably knows he probably yeah he probably doesn't even have to look it up um Dolph did stand up too does stand up too so yeah. you guys have yeah. that kind of connection. Yeah, true. Yeah, I figured sometime we'd run into each other like that, but I haven't. I haven't seen um, what what he does either, but I know he does. I know that he was dating the uh, that that one comedian. Oh, Amy Schumer, was it? That, that's her name. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, to some extent, I shouldn't say I know he was dating. Let's just say I know they know each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, twenty years. That's crazy to think. And like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just me getting older, but like. You know, Kofi's he's been there for a very long time too. And as you think about, you know, how long he's been there, it doesn't seem that long to me in the scheme of it all. When I was younger, like two years for a wrestler to stay around seemed like a really, really long time to me, but now it doesn't. They used to say, and I don't know where the hell this number came from. It's just something that stuck out in my mind one time when this conversation was taking place place about how long is an average wrestler's career? And somewhere, I remember they num- the number of seven years sticking out, you know, and I don't know. And it's like, you know, I, what do you consider professional wrestlers? I considered everybody that works at mom and pop flea markets on the weekends because I believe those guys, you know, probably do two or three years until they've had enough and they probably bring the average down. But I don't know, you know, I mean, a lot of guys have a little run and that's it. And then maybe then capitalize on it for a couple of years, and then they go on to having real jobs. So I, I I don't know, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much weight into that, but it's just something to think about, you know what what would you think is an average? Because I know that I've, you know, I know that I've wrestled a lot longer than than most wrestlers wrestle, oh, or man. or I've I've wrestled longer than most wrestlers live. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> jeez. Um, another name that got released today too. Um, he was there for a while initially, and then he got re-signed. But now he's released again. Is Shelton Benjamin? Um, he was one of the I, over a dozen people were released today. But uh, what's your thoughts on working with Shelton and uh, your interactions with him too? 
Shelton's a Shelton's a great guy um, and uh, incredible athlete. And um, I have no idea, you know, what they were or were not doing with him. But I know that when I worked with him before, back you know, two thousand five, two thousand six, whatever. I always felt like the office like really respected him a lot by by the push they were giving him, you know, and by the, uh, um, you know, because I worked him a lot, and um, you know, the you're all like at some level of getting pushed or feeling like you're getting disrespected and not pushed, <laughs> or or getting promises uh, broken to you about being pushed. And anyway, um, I, I just remember, you know, that. He he was really good and he and um, great athlete and, and knew what he was doing and uh, and a good guy too you know so um, I know he just made a return after disappearing for quite a while yeah yeah he, I know he like a big he got almost kind of a little bit of renaissance uh, in a role uh, with the hurt business as that faction with Cedric and before that and before that like no one had seen him in a few years right didn't he yeah. He wasn't doing like, I mean, I remember seeing him at one con. I was like, whoa, where the fuck have you been? Yeah, he was kind of off the radar, I think, for a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. I know Charlie Haas was, too, like, for a good amount of time. He still, he made a little bit of a comeback, like, about a couple years ago. Yeah. But, yeah, Shelton's always been good. He's been, like, just a super talent. I always think of that match he had with Shawn Michaels on Raw. That really got a lot of play. And, um, yeah, just a, and you hear about it, too. Like, he helped brock lesnar like kind of get acclimated too because they were college they're in the college together he was kind of like his like grad coach i think or something like that in minnesota so kind of neat ties to a lot of that stuff so yeah so one time uh we were at an arena um i, I don't know why i think i'm thinking buffalo but it totally could have been any anywhere but it was an arena where a lot of the arena was backstage it included a couple of um, escalators, and there was these uh, two escalators that were coming up, I guess. And uh, you know, we both would like go down them, you know, like like moving our feet as fast as we could. And me and Shelton raced one time to see who was the fastest. I can't remember who who was challenging. Oh, let's see who's the fast between these two, you know. And and uh, um. You know, we both started at the top and tried to, you know, he, he hit every step because, you know, you're just like using that and, and, and letting your momentum fall and your feet just keeping up with it. And um, and what's funny is uh, I remember him just being a little bit ahead of me, like the whole way and me not being able to catch up and him finishing like a, a step ahead of me. But me thinking um, that's cool anyway to be able to hang you know, with him, because uh, whatever. But when I saw him recently, he remembers it the other way and thinks that I beat him. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's funny how memories, funny how memories uh, sit in your head like that. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's going to be tough, though, like, like racing down upward going staircase. Uh. And, I, and I, don't, I, I don't remember why two escalators beside each other would both be going in the same direction either, but they were. Yeah, that's right. For some reason, yeah. It must have been four. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't even make sense in my head, but it was, you know, unless they were stopped, but they weren't stopped. They were moving towards us. So sometimes I know malls will have like one side that goes up and then the other side goes down. 
I know I've been in like arenas too sometimes or like stadiums where they've had, I think maybe even the fucking SoFi Stadium or something in LA has. Uh, it's not usually two going the same direction beside each other though. So Yeah, yeah, kind of funky. <laughs> Can't so. go back in time to that moment or I would investigate. Right. <laughs> but uh no, so yeah, the, several other names got released. Um Mustafa Ali was one. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that was like super uh, th- those were primarily the big names, but uh, yeah, it's, it's always kind of a bummer when the mass cuts happen. But with the merge happening and all that stuff, it's kind of expected, unfortunately, to an expected part of the business. So, kind of a bummer. Yeah, I guess they, I guess they're going in different directions. You know? Yep. They do well, that a lot. Guess what? It kind of ties into this because um, you talk about the big picture last week. And uh, with RVDology and uh, Crowbar made a tweet. The wrestler Crowbar, Devin Storm, uh, he made a tweet that said this. Uh, if I, I was not released, then not signed by WWE, I would have never met my wife, started my business, had my two wonderful children. Now being able to wrestle for the pure love of the game with zero pressure, it may not be clear at the moment, but WWE releases, releases God has a plan for you. So big picture stuff, Rob. That's kind of cool. Like, All right. Wise words from Devin Storm for the better. Yeah, absolutely That's true, man. You can't you can't always see the big picture. In fact, I don't know if you ever can really see the big picture because sometimes I think I see the big picture now, but really I'm just seeing a bigger picture than I was seeing before. Right, but it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never will get a full gauge of what the big picture actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time it's bigger. The more you're alive, the more experience you have, and with that comes a better understanding of a hell of a lot more. So it's worth it to hang in there and grow wiser with our ideology. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Devin, Devin Stormology. Yeah, Devin Stormology. <laughs> he does some amazing work still too. He still actively wrestles and looks good and. You know? Yeah, he's been wanting to wrestle me. Like he's been on a campaign for a while because that's one match that he's never had. I think there's two. I don't know who the other guy is, but um, yeah, you know, I'm up for it if someone will book it. Heck yeah, let's make it happen. We can try to figure. Maybe I'll put on my own show here in Pittsburgh somewhere. <laughs> you gotta pay me up front. Okay. Oh God. Okay. Can I bring Manny Fernandez too? <laughs> I just saw Manny last weekend. Didn't know shit after we just talked about him. He was in Hamburg, yeah. No way. How about that? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I saw Jimmy Hart there. And um, Jackie was there from um, Miss Jackie from yeah. uh, not um, the black one. Jackie oh. from the um, Rico Rico Constantino's girl yeah, and Tony Hoss's wife. Yes, yes. I didn't see her. I wanted to see her because I saw a poster and I saw her table, but I didn't see her when she was there because i didn't see a lot of people because that's always how it go- how it happens but but that's not someone i see at a lot of those but saw kurt angle um yeah rvd um, you were with sabu too was sabu sabu's usually besides sabu you. and fonzi were both there yep awesome. shane douglas was there Blumini. Right. trying to think of some people that i saw across the way but i didn't get to talk to a lot of them I saw Blue Meanies doing like the 420 Expo. Did you get contacted about? It's the same weekend as the Battle Creek show, so I'd imagine. Right, that's why I can't do it. That's why I can't do it. And the reason that this is less than amazing to me is because Blue Meanie was the original hookup when I did the 420 show last year. 
Oh, really? Yeah, he said, I got this friend, you know, can I give him your number? He does the, uh, um, I always fuck up the name of the erotica shows, Exotica or Erotica? Exotica? Is that, that the one you and Katie were at recently? Yeah, so he does those, and then he, the 420 thing mm-hmm. was like something new he's starting to do. So same guy, same. And the one that I did was both, I think. And then we did an Exotica or two. Is it Exotica or Erotica? I, fuck it I think up. it's Is Exotica because it, it has yeah, like three X's, I think. I think so, too. Okay. Um, but anyway, same guy, and he's a friend of Blue Meanie, so you know I couldn't do this one this year, and I was gonna try to help book other people to help them out, but I, I really suck at that, you know, like without having like a team of people stealing money from me, I can't get as much done. <laughs> Dang it! How are those the 420 Expo though? How is it kind of as an experience though, from the little bit when, when you did last? Oh, um, good. You know, it's it's a big convention that's very weed friendly and um they have smoking areas that was the the coolest part for me last year in new jersey at their first 420 expo was just seeing so many people comfortable smoking outside while the police are just walking right by you know keeping keeping the place secure whatever and, and seeing people feel comfortable not feeling like they got to hide in the back seat of their car or whatever. And I, you know, I kind of felt a little pride inside. Like I, I feel like I helped do my part over the years to try to make this moment happen, you know, and a lot of the, uh, in the advocacy world, a lot of people look at me like that. So in the wrestling world, I get a lot of people that say, Hey man, I appreciate all you do. Boom, boom, boom. But in the advocacy world, uh, it's, it's like, total different compliments. I have people come up and say, you know, hey, I appreciate, you know, how you've always um, uh, educated and stood for cannabis. And then they tell me their stories of how it's either helped them or their mom and dad or whoever with their life. And I'm just like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Glad to glad to hear it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that has to especially be an rewarding thing because you just think of how beneficial it can be to people and like of all certain types of ages, like if you're super old or anything like that and helps with different types of ailments and anything. So to see it kind of kind of come to fruition and be able for people to be able to kind of just enjoy it and, you know, celebrate in in an aspect like that has to be pretty neat. too. What is, but I mean, it's the most resourceful plant on the entire planet. And so we're still not utilizing it because it still competes with pretty much every major conglomerate business. Um, so if you want to look at it that way, you know, it, it's baby steps that, that we're legalizing, uh, being able to consume it. But I mean, it's, you can use it for fuel. You can make anything like 80% of anything, you know, whether now it used to just be like hemp, crappy t-shirts you know but right, yeah and now you, it's like, you got the next you can make houses you know everything from the carpet to the linoleum to the wood to the plaster like everything everything it's like it's so uh it's so durable and you know you can eat it you can you know wash your hair with it there's there's like there's thousands and thousands of uses for it and the fact is uh that because it competes with all the conglomerate businesses that the world leaders own, that's why it's prohibited. And, and that's why they've always put a lot of money into the misinformation campaigns. And, and, and 
outlawed it with with lies, you know, which is really silly because now people don't believe the lies, but then now they're confused as hell about, you know, where, where they stand with it. And if it doesn't have anything to do with them, then, you know, just like most basic thinkers, they, they don't want to know anything about it. But you're right, it can help and does help uh, so many people. And, and and you can talk about that in, from so many different angles, whether you're talking about, you know, like some people that want to draw the line and say, well, I guess if you're dying, you should be able to relieve your pain. However, okay, fine. If that's where you draw the line, you know, for me, you know, if somebody, uh, if it just lightens somebody's mood, increases their spiritual vibration, makes them feel like a better person, blocks any negativities out for them or whatever, and they can do it responsibly, then, hey, guess what? I fought for your rights too. Right. That's right. <laughs> People from all types of levels. I like it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we are doing, we're foregoing our usual stuff of a wrestler spotlight and the, the rant, rant, Rob Randam match. We're doing Ask RVD this time. Cause like I wow. said earlier, we got a whole African episode. A whole African episode. <laughs> we should do some guests pretty soon too. Cause, uh, yeah, I agree. I think we'll yeah. get some good ones going for sure. You know? You got some connections, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know some folks. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll, we'll start it off here. Some of them I have labeled, some of them I don't. But these are from some of these are from last week. So let's hit some of them. All right, Pan CDCA says, "Not a question. Just want to take opportunity to say thank you for truly loving wrestling to the point where, you, whether there are a hundred or a thousands in the crowd, you show up and put on a hell of a show. You show the kids what dedication truly means. Much love, RVD. So that's more feedback than anything. So there we go." Awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. You know, like I, I, I've had, you know, it's business. I, I think I was talking to you. I was talking to one of my friends. I don't think it was you, but I was telling somebody the other day, like there was a comment somebody said, I think it's sad that um, RVD wrestles at indie shows against no name wrestlers, you know, and, um, and, and I get that perspective um, with, with what they know. But what they don't know is that um, there's so many times that I can I can show you exactly what WWE paid me, and and when I wrestle now, I mean it's 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 twenty times that. Well, anyway, there's so many like without getting specific on the numbers, like you can compare a three month run. Uh, in, in 2013 with 66 matches compared to five now. And it's like, uh-huh, you know, like, poor me. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's just it's just the way um, – that, that's just the way it always has been. And, and it's not really anybody's business, the fans' business, to know all the details. But I remember, like, when it was, like, big news out there, like, Cody's actually doing better on the indie scene, you know, and it's yeah, yeah. when you have a long-term deal and you're working 200, 250 times a year, they're not paying you a ton every single night or else you'd make a gazillion dollars in a year. You know what I mean? Right. Like even if you get a kick in the balls, uh, four out of five times, and you get a, a halfway decent pay on the fifth day. That adds up at the end of the year to where you can say, "Okay, I see where I see where I beat my guarantee." You know, uh, after working 
myself into the grave here and 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 you add merchandise on and then yes the bonuses for the pay-per-view okay i i see yeah i guess i you know it, it's 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 more like that and, and everyone's different i'm sure you know you they get way behind you and you're the guy then whatever but and things are probably different now after covid than they were then uh, anyway but um i don't know how i got off on this uh, subject but talking about the uh, indie shows and i was talking about uh, I was like my working with uh, working with somebody. With the, so you were saying some like like lesser names or no names or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I can't remember what triggered that though. It uh, might have been the fact, like, because uh, the the reader said that uh, whether it was you were working in front of a hundred fans or thousands of fans. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Um, thank you. Way <laughs> <laughs> right behind on that, that inspired me to go off on that. Uh, sharing of my insight was that um, sometimes promoters will try to say, you know, you know I'm not going to say who, but you know, you know, you know, same, same fee if it's a, you know, six man or, or an eight man, or if you're, you know, or, you know, well, you're not going to, it's a tag. You can stay on the apron the most time or, or, you know, one, one guy even, um, man, he kept saying, man, it, it's really not even that far from the airport. You know, you fly in, you know, like the plane, it's like, are you, you really think that I'm going to get my ass all the way up through immigration uh, into Canada, into Toronto, and once I get there, I'm going to give a shit that the arena is 25 minutes away instead of two hours away. Right. Like you're, you're driving me, dude. I'm napping. What, you know what I care about? No, I'm not going to be giving you a break on the price over that. And and I'm not going to work any less hard if it's a smaller show. A lot of people, even when it comes to signings, you know, people will say like, well, you know, it, you know, this one, you know, we're not going to be able to make as much money. It's a smaller show. You know, you, you got any flexibility on the price? And I'm like, um, yeah, I'm flexible. I'll go stretch while you call somebody else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> totally flexible. Yeah. Have you I don't want to be at a small ass show anyway, dude. Right. And that's the thing, too. That's funny, too. Somebody's like, hey, would any cheaper if you do a multi tag? You're still you. Like, they're still booking you. You're still going there. It's like, no. Yeah, it's, it's a funny business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have to have our own personal policies i guess because i know not everybody handles business the way i do and they can tell you different stories of how they would react to those yeah. situations situations all right here we go another one okay yeah man we'll probably do a longer episode on him but what was it like working with bam bam bigelow richard bitch asks it was awesome working with bam bam i respected him a lot um he was a bigger star than me and um i saw him one time on my TV, on my news, when I was leaving my house to go watch wrestling at the Kellogg Center, which I'm at September 30th, Brian Cage. Um, the whole damn show, right? It's named. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Oh, Cage listens to that shit. It ain't called the Brian Cage show. Not Cage the Rage. Rage in the cage. Ain't the whole damn cage. Nope. Um, I, I, I feel like this was my first show that I went to, but I don't know if that times, if that, if that chronologically works out or not. I just remember like I was excited. It was like when, when wrestling was in town in Battle Creek, like it was a big deal. So, you know, the, 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 the local news would be running a story on it or whatever. And while I was 
getting ready to head out the door, I wanted to wait because the news said they were going to have a clip on pro wrestling. And they were at the Monster Factory in New Jersey. Oh. And they showed a little clip. And I saw Bam Bam Bigelow there in their school. And it was very distinguishable because he was a big, bald dude with the flaming tattoos. So, you know, when I saw him in WWE uh, F, a short time later, of course, it was like, oh, that's the guy from the wrestling school. And um, I, I think that was the first show, but that would have been like 2014 or 15 probably 15 when I was 14, when I went to my first Kellogg Center show, probably sometime around there. And if that works out right, where Bam Bam would have been at the Monster Factory in the school, which doesn't necessarily mean before his first match, he could have been working out while he was getting booked. We usually do that at least for our first year. Some wrestlers always still go back to the schools and, and work out, you know? So yeah. don't, don't know about that, but anyway, you know, I always thought highly of him. And um, when it came to wrestling him, one thing that I liked was that he was he was business. And part of his business that was very compatible with me was that uh, he was a receiver. And, and, and I just loved that about him. I don't know why, but um, I guess because, you know, it, it's it's – you take care of it. It's done. It's over. You move on. Right. And and I liked that as opposed to somebody crying about it later, keeping it in, whatever. So there was several times I'd be out there and I knew I would catch him, whether it's a kick to the chops or throw a chair at him, you know, and I, you know, and I noticed he didn't really, he turned his head and didn't see it coming and bam, or the, or the chair spun. It took me a minute, like back, you know, when I first started throwing chairs, it took me a minute. Sometimes a chair would spin. I remember throwing one at Pitbull Anthony and it went whoop, and it turned and it caught him like whoops, straight on, like dunk. Uh, and it split him open, of course, Pitbull Anthony. And I remember after the match being like, dude, Sorry about that chair. And uh, he goes, that's all right. You know, as long as you're going to do it on purpose. He's like, you didn't, did you? You didn't do it on purpose, did you? And that's just business, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just handling. I just want to make sure, you know, as long as it was. But that was something that I had to learn because I was kind of careless, you know, during that part of my career, taking out all this new hardcore shit and gauging where to not injure somebody and, and and where to send it in you know but with bam bam wham i'd catch him and i would just know uh-oh here it comes <laughs> <laughs> and whether we're like running clothes on me i think on that tv match when i dive out to him uh-huh. when i watch it i know when it happens i think i threw a chair and hit him or something and i think he grabbed the whole table and then threw it at me like <laughs> That happened once, whether it was that match or not, but wham, you know, and then right afterwards, boom, we're, we're right back to the same vibe. And I just, I always loved and respected that about him besides the, fa- as far as working with him. Sure. Yeah. Him, you know, as an athlete, incredible, you know, like, oh yeah, this was way before people were doing, you know, moonsaults, 450s, uh, Bam Bam was he would do a moonsault. There were a few people were doing moonsaults, but you know what I mean. That that was extreme back then. Anybody, Muda even, just doing a moonsault because 
people weren't doing that kind of stuff. And so when Bam Bam came out, even doing a cartwheel, we were like, oh, my God, yeah, right? you can do a cartwheel and you're 350 pounds? I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. And a dry high-ass drop kick he would do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved working with him. He was so he was snug. Mm-hmm. He was snug. I like it snug, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a mutual respect, I, I think, you know, and I think it – it showed probably in our matches, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, he could have, you know, been a lot more selfish than he was. Yeah, because, I mean, at that, like, yeah, he was an established star. He wrestled at that point. He was, was like a WrestleMania main event and all that stuff. So, yeah, that night that I beat him, you know, boom, in it with the event that he picked Sabu up for the powerbomb and Sabu stabbing him <laughs> with the nails or, or scissors, I think. Yeah. And, and then I uh, threw him a chair, Van Daminator, and uh, he rolled over Sabu's legs. And then I dove and grabbed his legs and rolled him up. Like, all of that was just so organic, and, and it was just there. And it was, you know, one, two, three. Like, I had no idea that that was elevating me to a whole different level in the industry. Like, that, that third count right there, beating him, and then – having the television championship uh, around my shoulder when I came out to the ring every match after that, it totally like got me over with the crowd in a superstar fashion that I never looked back from. So when I think about working with Bam Bam, that's the kind of shit that I think of. Hell yeah, man. That fucking like immediately established right after you beat somebody like that, you know? So. And I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I knew I had the crowd that night. I knew it was a great moment and all and, and all that. But I didn't know that I was going to be treated differently from now on in, in every event, and that I was going to keep on climbing forward and keep earning that spotlight. You know, that was a very happy, fun, and productive uh, part of my career. Mm-hmm. And it goes hand in hand, like Bam Bam like had the the star power and the level to put you over but then you had the ability to carry that on and and make it worth something in the grand scheme of things all had the credibility uh the belief in me to Mm -hmm. uh to put that you know all the to put the light on me and the and the know-how to showcase me and yeah man it worked it worked yep it sure did (laughs) it sure did um okay so i don't know i'm gonna so we got some feedback last week. Well, I said I texted to you that guy mentioned about his wife, how she's not a wrestling fan, but she tunes into RVDology and stuff like that. Well, they actually both of them chimed in with uh, some Ask RVDs this week. Um, these okay. are pretty in depth, so I don't know. You handle it how you want to. So uh, maybe we can do an, a different an RVDology. I like later to build on. it. I yep. love the, uh, the, yeah. the the build here. So Matt guy, he's like this RVD. Have any thoughts on the fear of death or accepting our own mortality? It's something I've personally struggled with as the thought terrifies me. Would love to know if there's any RVDology that could help myself and others to have a positive perspective. What do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have words, you know, like I can't, I don't know that you're going to be able to adopt these words into your own thought process, but Death is just one of those things. You know, Dom, we talked about knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. People are so uncomfortable admitting that they don't know something. And, and to me, 
that's just weird. It's a waste of energy. And here's the thing about worrying. When you worry about tomorrow, it takes away from today's enjoyment. Right. Tomorrow's going to happen anyway. And so worrying is a big waste of time. It's a negative energy. It causes you to vibrate in a less than positive frequency. But um, people that go to church, I mean, I used to have this conversation with, with kids at school. And if you're completely religious and you know for sure what's going to happen when you die, <coughs> bullshit, um, then you're going to give me pushback on this because I can admit that none of us know what's going to happen when we die. But a lot of people probably listening don't even want to admit that to themselves. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I think about people. And if I'm right, then a lot of people listening are just like the kids at school. And that's all I know is that I'm going to go to heaven because Jesus Christ for forgives me, you know, and they would do this little cross thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they would feel good about themselves, you know? And it's just like people that, you swear and steal and fuck people over all week. And then they go to church on Sunday and all of a sudden they think they're good to go. Right. No, you know? Not how it works. <laughs> I don't believe so. And I don't think that we can really know until we are dead. So I don't worry about it. It's just as possible that when we die, boom, we don't even know we're, we're done. You know, our, our TV is turned out maybe it's like that, you know, um, then where would our spiritual energy go? I don't know. <laughs> I'm okay with not knowing that I'm not in a hurry to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Do I feel spiritual energy. Uh, yes. Does that tell me that, it, that that's proof that the, the dead don't m move on or stop completely. I don't know. So you can worry yourself to death about death and there's absolutely never any good that's going to come out of it. You're not going to be more prepared for it. You're not going to figure it out. At least that's my beliefs. I think no matter how much you wonder about what's going to happen when you die, um, I believe that you're not. That's, that's one of those things we're just not allowed to or equipped to know the answer to and so any any i mean if that makes me anti-christian and your views then whatever i never claim to belong to your cult anyway <laughs> I, i'm i'm just a realist i've said this many times i haven't studied stoicism but i saw a video or two on YouTube and I was like, Oh my God, this is me. Like I thought stoic was just like a lack of expression, but it's actually like a philosophy and I'm down with almost all of it. And it has a lot to do with accepting what you have to accept. Um, the more you can just accept the better off it is. And so for me, it's not just accepting things I can't change. It's accepting things I'm not going to change, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Dom's gonna. Dom wants to record the podcast four hours late tonight. You know what? I can accept that news and just okay. You know, acknowledged. That's me. It's boring. It's anti-dramatic. 
But that's the way I process most of my information as opposed to people like, what? Four hours later, are you you're serious right now? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just, I'm not one of those people. Um, I can act like it. But anyway, the reason I bring that up, stoicism uh, has, is, is, a, is a way of dealing with life, accepting things as they are without letting them change your vibe, without letting them change your your view, your perspective, who you are. And so, you know, maybe look into that because that's one of those things that you, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure out. And there is not an obtainable answer to the best of my knowledge. And that's, that's what I believe about um, when you die. So, you know, when you find out, that, that then you find out. But, dude, just let it go. Enjoy life. In the meantime, that's where your head is supposed to be right now. The universe wants you to be thinking about making the most of being here and being alive right now and engaging with alive people's shit. Engage, oh, engage wow. with the universe, engage with other living people. And, uh, you know, if you can engage with your own path and don't worry about how it ends up, just worry about where it's going. Enjoy the journey. Boom. And yeah, and to your point too, Rob, with the, the big picture, if you take it one step at a time, you'll get to the big picture. But thinking of from a grand scheme of worrying about the future, that's like negative big picture almost. Like you don't want to kind of like look at it into that aspect of it all and just be like, hey, take it one day at a time. You'll get to the big picture and you'll make, you know, it does work out that way. It's great. And sometimes it's even one moment at a time. I got to put that out there. You know, they, it depends on your individual circumstance. But like if you are you know, like really depressed, having mental health issues or whatever. Sometimes you can't imagine going a whole day. So you're like, fuck it, one day at a time, one moment at a time, you know. But if you can look at a moment and you can be like, hey, you know what? I am I feel good right now in this moment, whether it's you looking out over the lake or fishing or, or whatever it is the hell that, that you do, if you can find something to do, that causes you to feel a uh, positive uh, frequency in your vibration, engage with that, I acknowledge it and, and take note of it and take a note of what it is that is making you react in that positive way. And you know what? Put more energy into that. Absolutely. Heck yeah. That's great stuff. Now, this could be a way to get our ideology out, just answering questions, maybe. That's it. Well, here, we'll follow up with another good one, too. And this is from his wife. I think I'm going to click on the right one here. Let me make sure. Here it is. Yep. All right. On behalf of Beth Guy, does RVD think that people's dreams are an insight into their subconscious mind and their true thoughts and feelings? What do you think about dreams, Rob? Do you have pretty uh, lucid dreams, I guess? Uh. Sometimes, not all times, you know, like Kratom, when I started taking Kratom and it put me in these really deep sleeps, I would have like the the most realistic dreams and I'd wake up from the deepest sleep in the middle of the daytime, just taking a nap. And I'm like, <sighs> I'd be like breathing hard because I felt like I was like so deep under um, getting getting used to that Kratom sleep. And I remember specifically thinking, and this was like a couple of years ago when I was starting to um, notice that I was remembering that I couldn't remember the last time 
that I had a dream that I remembered. So yeah. much time had passed that I couldn't even remember. Like, was I even an adult? Like, it's not often that I have dreams and then remember them afterwards or that I remember them for more than 10 seconds after I wake up, you know, and then sometimes it goes away. Um, and, and I don't know what, what dreams are. So anything would just be hypothetical. It's not based on any studies other than just life studies, but is it, is it insight into our actual thoughts? Well, I mean, the information comes from somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. um, but then it kind of stretches and shapes like silly putty into all kinds of stuff that can't be a reflection necessarily of, of your own values or principles. You know, I remember dreams where one person would change from the girl that lived behind me uh, growing up to my sister to like this other girl at school. And it's the same person right. that I'm talking to or whatever. And she keeps changing. She's like a shapeshifter. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not going to worry myself wondering like if that's some kind of reflection of, of my own insanity. I'll just, I'll just let that go and say, I don't know what, what dreams are a peek into, you know, I used to think like, what if when we're sleeping, what if then we're reporting to the greater consciousness, which probably would be dreams, you know, that would be at least part of it, part of the information that they're sucking out of our brains when we're there uh, reporting, because we are all observers, obviously, all of our senses observe all day nonstop. When one of them shuts down, the other ones are heightened. What are we doing with all that information, you know? My dogs are so curious all the time. They got to know everything. What are they doing with all that information? What if we're all, when we're sleeping, reporting that information to some greater consciousness, whether it's God or whether it's the aliens that dropped us off here years ago? Uh, you know, something along those lines makes sense, but it's not something that I want to start um, getting followers behind me to, to, to believe in or whatever. It's just thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so to your point, like I've had so many dreams where it's just like this person turns into somebody else or you're a person that then you're in another bot. It's so many weird stuff that I'm like, I can't even fathom what that means or if it means anything. So I can't take it seriously. It's, and I heard you can't, I heard you can't die in your dream. And ever since I heard that, I thought, um, that I, that's really interesting. And I asked a lot of people, have you ever died in your dream? And everyone says no. Yeah, I know I've gotten close. I've one time, and this is when I was a kid, but I remember this dream. One time I knew I was dreaming and nobody else knew I was dreaming. Uh -huh. And I jumped off of this really tall tower. And, uh, you know, everyone thought that I was killing myself. And I was laughing because I knew I was going to wake up before I hit the bottom. Yeah. And it was weird how I had so much control over that, but it was so real. But, you know, dreams dreams are weird. So that's one of those things where um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and not understand a lot more than I do understand about that world. Yeah, yeah. Too much to take in, I think. <laughs> it seems to be, at least in our heads, in our imagination, as far as we know. Right, right, exactly. 
Um, all right, let me see a good one here. All right, somebody asked this. Chaz, Chaz of the Cloud asked, in your opinion, Rob, what is Michigan's best kept secret? There's something that particularly stands out that, hey, go if you're going to Michigan, you got to check this out. Um, I think the best kept secret is that there's a whole upper peninsula that the lower peninsula doesn't even recognize. And I haven't heard about it my entire adult life. Like no one talks about it. There's a whole, did you know that there's an upper no. Michigan? In the, somebody recently told me they were from there and I was like, you have to be fucking kidding me. I've never <laughs> met anybody my whole life that's from uh, Northern Michigan, but it's called UP, the upper peninsula. And there's the glove and then there's a whole big fucking thing up here under Canada. And that's the upper peninsula. And one time as a kid, I went there because there's a fort, like right at the little bridge that goes across. Uh -huh. Fort Mackinac is famous for fudge. You go there and get Mackinac Island fudge. Uh, and I did that one time as a kid at a family trip. And, uh, and you know, they had like cannons and shit that the fort used to use in whatever war. But um, other than that, like it's, it's like something that I forget about. I have no idea what goes on in the Upper Peninsula. I've never gone up there and wrestled, I don't think. So it's a pretty, pretty good kept secret. How about that? Jeez, maybe there's some like weird, crazy cult sex parties or something going on there. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Um, all right. Hey, so look, we got a little movie stuff going on. Somebody asked straight up, who, who is your favorite movie actor? Do you have one? Um, I. This is one of those answers that I'm sure would change you know like depending on what movie i've recently enjoyed you know um yeah. one guy that comes to mind i'm but i'm blanking on his name though but the guy that um he's in spawn he did the movie legend where he plays two twin brothers the cray brothers the mobsters from london yes so um. good and he played Al Capone recently, an old Al Capone that shits his pants in Florida after he gets <laughs> out of prison. Thomas, no, Tom, Tom, Arnold, Tom. Is it, uh, it's not John Leguizamo, right? Because I know uh, he was on. Hold on a second. Tom Arnold, it's not Tom Arnold. Arnold. That's okay. so funny. I didn't mean to say that, but it sounds, Hardy, Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy. Okay. He's great. He's pretty good, yeah, so maybe him. Mm -hmm. That's a good choice. Yeah, he was in that. Just see the drop? That he was in with James Gandolfini? No, I don't think Ooh, so. You might like that one. Yeah. The drop. That's a Dennis and the Yeah, yeah. Um, following up on that, uh, one of my uh, former fellow dirt sheet writers actually sent this question in. Who is your favorite 80s action movie star? We had our guesses. I, you might have said him already, but who is your favorite action movie star? 80s? Um. I guess I'd have to go with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Yep. That's what we were thinking. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, when, when they were having the beefs, you know, amongst themselves and stuff, I was behind him, you know, like Don the Dragon Wilson came out and was saying that he was a legit fighter and that he would kill Jean-Claude or whatever. And I remember thinking, he doesn't even have any muscles. How's he, how's he going to fight? <laughs> 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 yeah. All yeah. right. 
Um, there was something that tied into that. I got to. Oh, here it is, right here. All right, White Rabbit asks, "Do you like kung fu movies? Do you have a favorite? Did you watch David Carradine kung fu growing up? Would you be willing to take on a kung fu apprentice?" A lot of kung fu questions here. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have a favorite uh, kung fu movie? You know, I I grew up watching them. We called it uh, Chop Saki Theater. That's what the TV channel called it. You know, the weekly showing of said martial arts movies and um they would be from different actors and in uh, different um production companies so i got exposed to a lot of them and they would have funny names you know drunken monk of shaolin or whatever and i used to be into that so much and i would you know that's where I learned to run up trees and do backflips from watching stuff like that. And I would just, so as a kid, you know, I just taught myself to to do it. But, um, but yeah, I loved all of those. I can't, um, there's so many and I, I don't know what, what would be a, a favorite to name. Um, I don't remember what the names of a lot of them were either, but they were, they were definitely entertaining. You know, they would have the dummy where bam, 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 you hit it. And then it like a ball comes out, you know, and you look at the ball and it like somehow tells your fortune or something. And mm-hmm. the, it was, uh, or the wooden stick dummies, you know, and these guys could fly. And I loved it. I, I used to love all the, um, every week I would tune into all of that. And, uh, and no, I, I, I can't take on a Kung Fu apprentice. And by David Carradine, uh, I watched it sometimes. Um, I, I really liked when David Carradine and uh, Uma Thurman did uh, Kill Bill. Like that was really cool. Um, at the time, probably holds probably holds up. I don't know, but I mean, at the time, like that was like some groundbreaking shit. Quentin Tarantino was. Quentin Tarantino was crushing it. Uh, he directed it, right? Didn't yeah, he? he directed it. Yeah, both. There was the part one and part two that I didn't. Yeah. See, I haven't seen either of them. That's those. Those are one, two of the few I, of the Tarantino movies I haven't seen. So. She wears the Bruce Lee yellow outfit um, in one of them that, that he wore. And um, uh, what was it? Not Enter the Dragon. Was it? I don't was think. It? Um, I don't know. Uh, whatever. S YouTube curse. Yeah. Fist- it's a fury. Who cares? We'll figure it out. <laughs> this shit, though. Yeah, no. Uh, and yeah. David Carradine supposedly died from jerking off and choking himself. Was that him or was that his brother? Was that or because the, there's a Keith Carradine too? I couldn't remember which. Oh one. shit! Okay. Well, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, I heard it wrong. But um, yeah, some one of them did though. You're right. He like was in a closet and did it. You know. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, here we go. Jack Hollow wants to know what are red flags and green flags to look out for when choosing a wrestling school. Red flag, uh, green flag means keep bringing the Brazilian steaks and flip it over to red. That means you've had enough. That's it. Yes. If you've been to Brazilian barbecue, barbecues like uh, Texas Day Brazil, highly recommend it. Okay. So, one of my faves. Um, man, the business is so different right now. I can't even imagine, you know, like I can't imagine my advice being that valid for someone breaking in right now and having someone tell them this is what we're doing now because 
it was so different when I broke in. And um, but you know, I'll answer as best as I can though. Um, so red flag versus green flag. Green flag is um, they've trained some successful people, people you've heard of, people that have gone on from them to go on and have good careers. They themselves maybe uh, are, are reputable. Like they've um, wrestled for more than just themselves. You know, a lot of promoters will just book themselves and then they're going to teach people and really how much can you learn from that person? Pretty, pretty limited, you know, but sometimes you got to get your foot in the door whatever you only got five bucks in your pocket whatever but you're asking me about flags here so that'd be a red flag if uh if the guy hadn't been anywhere but just booked himself in the local tri-state uh area uh tri-county fair and um you know tuition like tuition is important you know like you got to be able to uh afford it or, or or you can't you know um the school's been there for a while, like the duration of the school. If it's brand new, eh, you know, that's not going to be as secure of a feeling as if it's uh, been there for, you know, 10 years and uh, everyone in town knows about it. It's a huge success. You know, Booker T School in Houston, boom, come on. Booker is as, as successful as you can get. You know, um, the duration of the school, people that he's trained, like, boom, 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 boom. Like, that, that kind of has it all, whereas a red flag would be, like, um, uh, Johnny's uh, car wash slash wrestling school that uh, where you never heard of uh, uh, Johnny B. Fine. <laughs> Johnny B. Fine. Johnny B. Fine, the local wrestler that's going to take all your money and train you and uh, – and own a piece of you for the first five years of your career. Um, so there you go. Mm -hmm. I like it. I mean, like, yeah, I see so many people even on like uh, local Facebook stuff. They have like wrestling schools. I, I never fucking heard of that guy. Why would I? Why would somebody go to that person? Or like they're just based out of like yeah the local area. They don't go anywhere. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah, like I said, but sometimes you know you only got five bucks in your pocket, and you're like such a willing to do anything short of sucking a dick and then here there is like some guy that says he actually does shows and so what if it's in the backyard and there's only 13 people i mean at least that's better than what you're doing right now and maybe you can get your foot in the door and learn a little bit and i mean i get it where you would think all of that you know but um you're also quite possibly going to uh be trained in a in a garbage way to to garbage wrestle you might be labeled garbage and you know you might eventually belong with the garbage right. from from your experience i don't know it's possible because yeah. like i'd imagine there's an aspect too where you have to if you get poorly trained then you have to get retrained and it's uh, hard as fuck to retrain somebody it's hard to train people but it's it's even harder i think to retrain people well it's it's circumstantial though Oh, individuals yeah. it depends on the person for sure I but when they have bad habits already and stuff and you keep telling them over and over like i said don't do that you know yeah <laughs> all right here's a basic question here for you you mentioned uh wanting to wrestle mike awesome in ecw and how cool that would have been somebody just flat out asked what wrestler or wrestlers would you have liked to wrestle when you were in WWE? is it maria maria asks this uh, is there a certain name that you're like, damn it, that would have been nice to kind of tie up with that I never really got a shot to? 
somebody that stands out to you? Um, you wrestle almost every I feel like I always answer these questions the same, and I always say I don't have like fantasy matches, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of who's someone that I didn't wrestle, and I'll I'll say them, but who is that? Uh, you could well. We mentioned a whole bunch of them earlier, like Bret Hart, um, Ken Shamrock was another name. Um, whoever we all, like, who else did we cover? There, there's a couple other ones we got. I know so. Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man, there you go. See, there we go. That's a good That'd cool. Uh, that would be real cool. Um, yeah, and we talked about him too. Um, kind of wish I would uh, wrestle Tommy Rich so I could kick the shit out of him. <laughs> He's got karma just from him always. Back in the day, being like, "You're a punk. <laughs> You're a punk. You know that." That's going on our compilation video. <laughs> I got to tell you a story. So, WrestleCade, this last year, uh, I was in the bar, the hotel bar, and uh, Ricky. I Morton, saw you there. That's right. Well, yeah, I actually did see you there. Crowbar introduced me to you. So, uh, but uh, I saw Ricky Morton there. And so I went over to Ricky Morton and I was like, hey, Ricky. And I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around, I'm Tommy Rich, man. <laughs> it was Tommy Rich. It wasn't Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> same hair. Yep, same hair. Can't, it's hard to hard to. Uh, <laughs> all right, Chris asked, do, "Do you have a favorite Italian restaurant in South Philly? Do you know? Do you remember any Italian restaurants in South Philly, Rob?" Um, I'm just gonna go with Tony Luke's. Yeah, That's, right. Uh, <laughs> That's a that's a um, a destination every time that I, that I try to hit. So. Yeah, that's good. They got good Philly. I think one of the best Philly cheesesteaks. I liked um, what's the fucking place? Jim's on South Street. That was a good one too. But um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm sure there's some really good Italian places that uh, that I don't know about um, from the uh, mafia families the, down there in South Philly. But uh, yeah, never. Until recently, I hadn't really been too exposed to Italian restaurants. I always just think of it as carbs and pasta. I've just always thought of that. And just being a meathead, you know, usually like I'm trying to get some protein in. And and, But I have in the last couple of years had a a few chances to go into Italian restaurants that were awesome and, and and it's so different, and they have meat there too, of course. But, but I mean, like the the special sauces that they make, and the fresh garlic, and everything. And so, so now I have a, a much better appreciation for it. I just got to talk Katie into going and you know picking that over something else, you know. Yeah. Like, like yeah, we can eat meat every night. That's what I got to tell you. But of course, like I said, you get meat there too. But the the pasta itself, though, whatever you choose, you know, because. That's the deal. You gotta know what kind of pasta to choose if you're gonna get the tubes or the strings or the whatever they are. But Rocky or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wow, the, the the garlic and the and the um, and those fresh sauces that you use and everything is like it's a different experience altogether. So yeah. Do you ever do uh, Batista's in Vegas? Do you know that place? I know the place. Um, haven't actually been in there. 
Okay, it's cool. I went there the last couple times I was there once. It was it's good. They got good Italian food there. Uh, okay, kind of atmosphere. I guess from what I heard, like Sinatra and them used to eat there or something. Yeah, it's got a reputation for being um, a local place. They they has their beers or whatever are supposed to be more local priced, even though it's right off the strip. Oh, you know? it's right off the strip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I want to go there sometime and check it out, especially if you say they got good Italian food. They do, they do. And the, they give, like, a, a cappuccino at the end, and it's, like, fucking amazing. So. There's a place called Capone's that's on Sahara. We went there, and it was all right, but it didn't have, I mean, maybe we didn't order right. I don't want to say anything bad about their business, but we had just recently been exposed to all those sauces and stuff, and we expected that there and didn't get any of that. But maybe we didn't order right. I don't know. But yeah. it was kind of, kind of a, you know, it's got like the Al Capone gimmick. It's like a speakeasy, like a secret door you got to open or whatever. So had had that going for it. But um, I don't know if there's a difference between authentic, old school Italian or whatever, or whatever it is. I got to know how to order it so that I get all those homemade. I don't know if they're homemade. They fucking make them there at the, at the place, not a homemade. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> Let me just say that the fresh sauces, the sauces, dude. Sauces. Yeah. Uh cool. All right. Do you have any? <laughs> ben Stonewall Codem Coat DM asks, "Do you have any standout memories of working with Samoa Joe in TNA? Both of you are on my top ten list of favorite wrestlers, and it was a dream for me to see you two wrestle. Any good memories of Samoa Joe?" Mm. I don't remember much about the match at all. Mm-hmm. I just remember going up. I think I went up for the frog splash, and he hooked me and pulled me That's off there. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, I don't remember much at all uh, about the match, but I had been in the ring with Samoa, like working out and like shoot wrestling and stuff before because uh, um, we had a mutual friend that um, they ran L.A. Boxing in Newport, uh, California, outside of Costa Mesa. And um, Samoa, Joe, and I had hit the mat together, you know, and wrestled around. Um, and and it always been around Justin, our mutual friend, too. So I was used to him being around and stuff. Maybe that's why it doesn't stand out that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I mean, I, I, I liked working with him. I just don't remember much. What I do remember is um, one day I was walking by. Uh, we were passing. We were, cross, we were passing each other outside there at Universal Studios, and I was eating a, um, a hot dog because uh-huh. that's what they had for catering. And, while, and I, was, I was, like, walking and eating it and shoving it down my throat and I think trying to talk to him, too, and I got it lodged in my throat. Shit. And all of a sudden, I was like, <gasps> I was like <clears throat> and, and, and Samoa was like, dude, do, do you need the Heimlich? I was like, <clears throat> and, he, and then he like grabbed me from behind, and he picked me up, and he was squeezing me, and I was going, <clears throat> and, and, and in between coughing, I didn't even notice, but I was, <clears throat> like I was still eating the <laughs> He's picked me up, and I'm eating the hot dog and coughing while I'm eating it. <laughs> and he was like, put the hot dog down. <laughs> Rob, don't. <laughs> Stop eating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was pretty funny. That's good. Uh, I survived. Nice. 
I choked on a marshmallow once in uh, the Philadelphia in a Philadelphia mall, and I literally had to puke it up right in front of GameStop. Okay, yeah, awful. dude, I used to do that to myself all the time, uh, and lots of times I would choke on my own spit. Like I don't notice that it's falling down the back of my throat, down my mm-hmm. trachea instead of my esophagus, and all of a sudden I'm like. <coughs> You know, and people are like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, dying. This is not <laughs> dying here. You no one's gonna know what happened because you're like, gonna, give me a hot dog. <laughs> you gotta say his lungs were clear. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> but one time I remember I was at the medical goose beach club, bunch of us hanging out there, and um I tried to dry swallow a pill. I don't know what it was. Same thing happened. I got it lodged. And I was like, Ugh. I'm beating my chest and stuff. And Chris Masters is like, do you need the Heimlich? Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah. And I was like pointing. And might be like, oh. <laughs> and then it was like, um, uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, oh, where, where to grab you? And, and finally, like, I had to do that thing where, um, like, I, 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 <laughs> I dove on the back of a, a chair. Uh-huh. And then it hit my gut, you yeah. know? And it went, and it, and it shot across the room and shit. And I ran over there and grabbed it. <laughs> I grabbed it because I still wanted to swallow it. But I was like, what kind of lifesaver are you? You're like, you asked me about my And then when I say, yeah, I'm dying here, then you start, you know, what kind of angle should I do? Uh, I need you to sign a waiver. What was that shit about? Right. Just go and do it. See what happens. Fucking Chris Masters, man. Dang it. Thought I could count on that guy. <laughs> you never know until you have to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, oh, it's a good one. Chris J asks, if you could be a Mortal Kombat character, what would you want your abilities to be, Rob? Um, I would want to levitate. I like that. Why not? Why not? Sounds like something that would take a lot of focus, you know. Like if you fly, whatever. But to levitate kind of feels more like you'd have to have an inner experience, possibly some extensive uh, meditative achievement, you know, to be able to actually defy gravity. And it just it just seems like it would be more worth it overall. You you would I think you would give off pretty good Raiden vibe, you know, because he's like. It deals with electricity and energy and stuff like that. I can definitely see that. Um, right, cool. Hey, I want to leave, let me leave a message for Mike real quick on Cameo. Oh, yeah, do it. This is, uh, man, for some reason, like they give you like seven days. And so many times I wait till I have like five minutes left to do them. And I, that's just the way my brain works. That's how it works sometimes. I, I'm the same. And you build up this streak. I had this streak that was like 76 or something in a row. And then, boom, you go all the way back to zero when you miss one. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's been a while since I've missed one. Now I'm building my streak back up. But so many times I fuck that up because I think like, oh, that's right. I got a cameo and there's pressure. Oh. Oh, I got oh, I got thirteen more hours. Never mind. I'll worry about Don't worry. I'll, I'll do it later on. That's that day all the time. Yeah, but Mike's been here waiting for a while. But I don't know when his birthday is because they didn't say. Oh, okay. They just said my brother Mike is a huge RVD fan. Uh, you would make his birthday if you gave him a birthday shout out. Uh, I can't tell you too. They're gonna get the- your YouTube compilations. I'm not sure what that is, but this is from. Uh, Melissa, who's obviously the sister, since uh, Ryan is the brother. That's how it works. 
you know, yeah. you can you, you do the reverse engineering and you find out that way. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'm gonna have this real quick, like bam. Uh, okay, three, two, one. See what does. Mike, what's up, dude? It's Hall of Famer RVD. Dude, it's your birthday. I just want to say, hey, it's to Mike, but it's from Ryan. Holy crap, but it's also from his wife, Melissa. Whoa, I'm going to start over. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned something. I, I care, dude. I yeah, care. You, get, you do it the right way. You're good. It's so hard to um, start over because then I got to go back. Okay, well, here we go. That wasn't that hard. But it's, from, it's to Mike. It's from Ryan. But then it says it's from me and my wife, Melissa. Okay, so now Ryan's the brother. Oh. And Mike's the brother. And Melissa is Ryan's wife. Dude, this just got way hard. All right, man. I'm just going to say, hey, birthday. Hey, birthday, Mike. There's definitely Mike, though. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Bam. What's up, Mike? This is WWE Hall of Famer Rob Fan. Damn, look at that arm. Damn. Dude, it's your birthday. And Ryan and Melissa wanted me to come to your birthday party. I'm so glad they invited me. I'm stoked to be here. What kind of YouTube compilations are you watching, dude? You're watching my moves, right? What about my podcast, bro? You're on my podcast right now. Look. Hey, happy birthday, Mike. Dude, see that? We're going to make a compilation out of this, and you might be watching RVD YouTube compilations and watch yourself, bro. Happy birthday from the whole damn show, Rob Van Dam. Happy birthday, dude. Bam. Boom. Nice. Look at that. Double whammy. He's going to get a double. That's like a double cameo right there. It is, dude. I have ideas like that, too. I know. Um, cool, man. What's the next one? All right. Uh, it's 22 now, by the yeah. way. Oh, okay. Let's see. I would what's be over 100. Favorite piece of merch that he's honored in, and what's been his most? Well, you got different. We'll go with the first one. What's been your favorite piece of merch that you've been honoring? Is there a certain thing that you're like, man, that was that's number one for me? Hmm. Let's see. That is a good question. I'm just trying to think. Like, is there anything cooler than an action figure? I don't the action know. Action figures have to be the sweetest. I would think it's pretty cool. Um, there's no everyday lunchbox yet. Mm, merchandise or uh, yeah. I think that you've had that T-shirt that you've liked the best that you've gotten made, dude. I think probably the action figure, and maybe even, maybe even the taller action figure might stand out um, as a. I don't know. Um, how about the John Cena and RVD double pack action figure with the? Uh, Someday I'll have to show you a tour of the RVD Action Figure Museum, and we'll talk about all these. But, uh, but that's like a one night stand um, set, uh, which is obviously my crowning moment of my career when everything that I ever stood for came to back me up and push me over the top. 
Um, probably that, I guess. You know, one thing that I think of that was a pretty cool, not merchandise, but let's say, I don't know, let's say thing and be really vague. A cool thing to have been on was when the WWE had the store in Niagara Falls and they had me put my fists with my thumbs into wet cement oh. took it off and they had that like on the wall with like big shows big handprint next to it or something it was on display and i thought that's pretty cool kind of like a walk of fame in our in our little world yeah that's pretty sweet dang yeah. i was gonna say did they make an rvd barrel that they could go over the falls with not that i know of rvd don't fall very often no that's true <laughs> All right, well, only a few more here we got. Let's see. Oh, hey. reminds me, someone sent me a picture of that I'm on a billboard in Battle Creek, and I forgot, I forgot to even respond to it or or take a picture of it or whatever. Like I, I was like really busy, and I saw it, and someone was like, "Did you see this?" And I was like, "No, I didn't see that." But for the battle in the creek, okay, recently, so just recently coming up, pretty cool being a billboard in my own hometown. Your own hometown. Like anybody would recognize me as a little. Kid with the bull haircut and glasses from the fourth grade. Oh my god, that's how I look too, Rob. I had a bull haircut and <laughs> glasses. <laughs> All right, um, this is a good one. Bloodmark, uh, Bloodmark Henry at Bloodmark Henry. Holy smokes! Have you ever thought of any moves like the Van Termeer, but ones that you weren't able to actually execute because they were just impossible to pull off? If so, can you give an example? Can you do it right here and right now, Rob? <laughs> Uh, well, the answer is yes, but I don't know if I can think of anything that's actually impossible. It's just that the risk wasn't worth it, you know, yeah. and some of those I did once or twice. And then, you know, like, like one of them, one of those moves is when I did the uh, 180 into the split-legged moonsault, you know. Um, I wanted to do that more regularly, so I'm sitting on the top rope facing in. Mm -hmm. Sabu went to give me a Hurricane Rana, and I caught the top rope, and he bumped down, and I jumped up, spun around 180, and then hit the split-legged moonsault facing the other way. That's a move that the risk factor is so high on it that I might – not jump up high enough my foot might hit the rope or whatever to where i did that a couple times maybe and then was like yeah i don't think i'm going to keep that one uh, i used to run when i'd be running the ropes i would jump straight up to the top rope in the middle oh and i did that one uh for a while but i must have slipped on some loose ropes or mistimed or missed misgaged my jump or something i don't remember but i'm sure i must have slipped a few times because that one is another one where the risk was just too high uh one place you can see this move is in uh was on wcw tv when i wrestled scotty flamingo mm -hmm. raven, raven. Uh, in that match i duck his clothes on i jump up and i boom i balance right on the top rope in the middle and then do a cross body from there and then for the finish, I hit the split-legged moonsault, but I set him in too close, and I bounced out too high because I used to do that. It took me a while to learn 
to put him out far enough so I don't do that. Um, and 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 so like my face probably hit him, but most of my body landed beyond him. And I remember afterwards, Larry Zabisco saying that that move where he jumped up to the top rope like a cat that was better than the finish. And I was like, I, I know, <laughs> I know, Larry. <laughs> I overshot him. <laughs> Thanks, living yeah. legend. <laughs> but uh, so that's the answer. There's there's a couple moves for you right there that I just figured eventually, and eventually even doing a springboard. Like I hardly ever do a springboard just for the same thing. Like you know, uh, it's 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 risky. I can step up there and have a much better chance of not sliding on the on the rope or 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 misgaging it. Yeah, and nowadays too, it's like everybody does a springboard, so it's like. Hey, what is it? There is a risk. Making that it. Make yeah. it and that's why I'm real excited, you know, and really motivated. And boom, want to do it. But for me, it's more important. And I like the build anyway. Sometimes, you know, of climbing or whatever. Yep, it's circumstantial. But sure. but that's but mostly that's because of the risk that I, you know, don't do that. You can see plenty of videos of RVD springboarding. Even when I first did the Vent Terminator, there was a springboard. Oh, how about that? Jeez. When I did Scotty Riggs, and I go, springboard. And then eventually, eventually, I just stood on the second rope and went, RVD, and then stepped up. Boom. Nice. I got to watch the Scotty Anton matches. Got to check them out. You get a Van Terminator, Scotty. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Good shit. All right. This is probably the last one. Dennis Clark Jr. says, what was your favorite memory working in Impact Wrestling and why? Do you have a favorite memory of working in Impact Raw? Hmm. Um, one that comes to mind was when we did the ECW reunion there. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, we'd already had the WWE one. And the idea was some of the guys didn't feel like that was the proper send off. This was going to be all ECW and not even book guys that aren't on the show or whatever. And um, I knew it wasn't going to be as big as One Night Stand, but I still always like being around those guys. I like celebrating that spirit. And uh, I loved my match with Sabu um, and would hold it up against any of the other matches, you know, of, that we had together. So that sticks out as a uh, one of my favorite memories. Nice. Yeah, I'm, we'll have to do a either a watch along or just cover that match because, um, yeah, hardcore you know, justice. Hardcore justice. Yep. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Um, I do have one question for you though. You mentioned this on uh, Hey EW with RJ City. You mentioned the serial kaboom. What is kaboom? I don't. I have no idea what that is, Rob. Um. It's possible that I could have the name of it wrong, but Kaboom was a video game. You know when I don't know if you go back to the Atari 2600 days. That's a little before my time. Right, okay, because there was very few games that had the actual spinning knob instead of the joystick. Kaboom was one of the first ones. It was from Activision, but there's a clown, and the clown is dropping these bombs, and you go back and forth with water, and you got to catch the bombs so that they don't hit the ground and explode. That was called Kaboom. The clown that dropped those bombs 
is like he seems in my mind anyway to be the same clown that's on this cereal. And it was like little, um, the cereal was like little, I guess it's, I don't know if it's made with oats or whatever, but it was like little smiley faces that were a bunch of different colors. Yeah. And, there was, and there's marshmallows, uh, little marshmallows with the different colored little smiley faces. Um, and I loved that cereal as a kid and it was the clown. And in my mind, that's the same damn clown that's throwing bombs on. But I don't know if the cereal was actually called Kaboom because I might have had that, um, you know, um, it me messed up with the video game. And I can't think of what else that cereal would be called. Uh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to Google it. We'll figure it out. We'll make I think it, it was up. General Mills or Quaker Oats. Well, General you, Mills. Battle Creek's like the hometown for cereal, man. It is. And that was a big part of my childhood. Still love to eat it. I just don't eat it because it's, you know, almost all sugar. But Right. Um, but, I mean, sometimes I get sugar-free cereal. But, yeah, that was – and it's so easy, you know, like if you're a bachelor or whatever, you got to take care of yourself. And uh, what am I going to have for dinner? A bowl of cereal. Frosted fucking flakes. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. So oh, good. man. What's what? – In Battle Creek every year – um, that was the world's largest breakfast table. That was a gimmick every, every, I think it was summer and, uh, people that live there, it's a cool thing to go and support and you sit at the table and you break, they break the Guinness book world of record, I think every year. And for some reason they didn't invite one guy that owned a business owner, a business owner downtown. And so for some reason, because, they didn't invite him to participate in that. He would run his own free breakfast thing, but instead of giving a free little little kid's box of cereal, he would like give like omelets and eggs and stuff. He was like a, a rich man, and that was part of the local legend that we knew about. Was uh, you know he would he would have a much better breakfast than Kellogg's because they snubbed him and and uh, they ran the table like um, around his place for some reason. I don't know. Oh shit, man. Breakfast probably happened in Battle Creek, man. People know from Kellogg's, but right across the street from Kellogg's was Post, and right down the street was General Mills. It's, all three of them are there? Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know. Yeah. Oh Same God. street. Serial Wars, man. I love it. I love it. We had the Monday Night Wars for wrestling. We got Serial Wars in Battle Creek going down. Good shit. Cool, Rob. Well, um, let's see. Did you want to do an RVDology? I think the depth is pretty good. The talking about depth. But, um, what do you I think? think uh, maybe I think we covered it pretty good. I gave I some think, advice. Yeah, yeah. And the big picture one really stood out for me this week. It was just keeping a focus on all that and like not living in the moment, but not like you know ruminating too much in the moment. Being conscientious of that stuff is just like, hey, um. You know, I, I'm only seeing what I see in front of me, but keeping that all in perspective and knowing that, hey, all this stuff comes to a bigger picture of things. There's a reason for it all. So it was very helpful, Rob. So and so anybody listening, <clears throat> keep these four words in mind in case you have a hard time feeling the perspective that there is a bigger picture. All right. This is just now. Tell yourself that. It's always true. Always. That advice never runs out. This is always just now, and there's always a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll talk a little bit, you know. I mean, right. I don't, don't want to leave feeling like, uh, 
You know, I mean, we changed it, not having wrestling, and um, I, I'll just make it quick. I'm really good at quick. Uh, All right, quick short answers Ooh. here. No, um, so a value, uh, one value that I think is important to have is a little bit of humility, um, and what I mean by that is being able to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, then then what can you laugh at? You know, and there's uh, there's an arrogance that we all have, where sometimes our defense comes up and and and, and feels attacked if somebody says something about us. But what if it's true? Then why do we have to argue against it? What good does that even do? You know, why not just take it, accept it? I talked about. Uh, stoicism and I talked about acceptance you know um, how about the 400 pound kid uh, if people call him fat is he gonna say no I'm not he's you know you, the best way to take away power from insults is is to take away the hurt if it doesn't hurt you there's no power with the insult it's like yeah yeah, 400 pounds, you're very observant. So uh, a lot of us have a, have a hard time doing that. I read a comment on our uh, YouTube page. It was a clip from our podcast when I was, we were both talking about um, Jim Cornette, which I still haven't watched, but him talking about um, my match. And when you said that he doesn't understand my moves, he didn't know the Rolling Thunder, and I guess I said something to the effect of, uh, oh, I could see where that would be confusing because usually I carry my more my momentum forward more, boom, boom, boom. One of the comments that stood out that somebody said was, um, they said, I love how when someone gives you criticism, how you take it and just say, yeah, I could see that. And then I said, you know, keep being you or something. And I thought, you know, that is – a quality that, that that I'm proud. I'm proud they notice and, and that they and they know that about me. And I'm proud that that is a fact about me. And I think it's something that could help other people too. Um, sometimes when people give you criticism, they could be right. You know what I mean? Uh, I happen to think I'm a great driver, but I might be the only one. <laughs> I probably don't have too many people back me up with that, but I think I'm a great driver because I have the reflexes of a superhero. Um, and because of that, I tend to wait a lot longer than a lot of people before I hit the brakes. You know, the brakes are there for a reason. I'm trying to get somewhere, not, not slow down half a mile before. And, you know, but so, so I tend to um, do that. I'm not an aggressive driver, um, I'm not worked up. I'm relaxed. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people would say that um, either that I'm jerky with it or that I get up too close before I hit the brakes at a stop sign or whatever. Enough people to where they might have something there, you know, like, <laughs> but for me to every time feel insulted, you know, and be like, fuck you, you know, I'd, I'd win the Indy 500 right now. You know, I got better reflexes. I'm faster. I don't need to slow down as much. I got, for me to even take it and even put up my fists at all, you know, and say like, well, you know, if anything, if someone hurts my feelings, I'm always like, you're more than welcome to drive. I love being driven around. I love it. 
You're never going to hear me complain that you want to take the wheel. Um, but short of that, I drive how I drive and not on purpose, but again, that, that's an example of where, uh, you know, I can, I can laugh at, at, at myself, you know, um, we drove to, uh, I drove to Las Vegas, uh, with a car load recently. And, uh, there was a few times when, um, before I changed lanes, I actually turned my head but I could turn it a little bit sooner because there was two or three times when I thought it was fine to change lanes, but there was somebody in my blind spot and I saw them as I'm turning like this and whoa, okay, it's not clear yet. And now all of a sudden the car's all dramatic, you know, and oh, there's that gust of wind again, huh? You know, and they're laughing and because I told them it was a gust of wind the time before. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to, even when I am the passenger and say Katie's driving, when she's fucking up, you know, and she's like, dude, looking, whoa, whoa, and she's got it, you know, I tend to feel better about keeping my mouth shut instead of saying, uh huh, remember this next time you, because why? You know, if I needed to, then yeah, but she wouldn't remember anyway if it came up. And I said, you didn't know this, but when we drove the other day, like you almost hit that car. And then that one time you were in the wrong lane and you cut across. And, uh, you know, just like when the light goes from red to green, if I'm not driving, I'm probably not going to tell you. You're in control. Yeah. Gonna, I might be like, I wonder how long it's going to take for them to notice, but I don't feel obligated usually. I'm not one of those um, passenger seat drivers that's going to be like, go, it's green. And and that's just me, my passive ways, and feeling like it's not my position. I'm a passenger. I feel like it's not my position to complain about the driving. Also, if I'm having someone else drive, uh, memory just flashed through my head. We were in a Philly at the Holiday Inn way back in the mid-90s before we got kicked out of the Holiday Inn. ECW boys would be there. And we were going – some fan offered to give me a ride. I was hungry to go down to Pat and Gino's. And I'm in this dude's car, not knowing him, but he was like, dude, I got weed. We'll smoke. I'll drive. Go, okay, cool. He went through every single four-way stop sign full speed. Holy shit. Every single one of them. And, and, and I was like, you know, I could say something like, dude, you know, you got to, uh, uh, you know, I'm worth something here. You got a piece of value in the car with you here, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, I was really thinking I'm not going to get hurt. You know what I mean? And, I, and so I was just like, wow, let's see if, if he keeps getting lucky. And I was kind of watching to brace up. But. But I didn't think that I was going to get hurt because I thought that I was indestructible. But I remember thinking that then, thinking like his choice, his ticket, his consequences, whatever. That that that's how how I felt. But um, you don't have to agree with people necessarily if they're trying to put you down. It's not about that. It's about listening to what they say, and if it could be true. Um, you don't even have to admit it to them if it's something that embarrasses you or, or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, being real with yourself, it has a lot to do with that. Hi, baby. Hey, baby. hey what's up, Katie? I'm just finishing up my podcast. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about being humble. Like a lot of us know people that need a little humbling. 
you know, whether it's a girl that's like, everybody in the world wants to bang me. They do. Everyone wants me. Or whether it's a, a wrestler saying, dude, I am so over. No, I am. Dude, everybody fucking loves me. Everybody wants, everybody wants my picture, wants my autograph. The opposite of that is being humble, you know? And um, I think that I'm more comfortable being humble with both my successes and also humble with my failures, you know? I tend to talk about my failures a lot. Maybe it makes me feel like I'm bringing myself more down to earth from the position that I feel like some people hold me above, you know? Like sometimes people are weird, you know, they'll be around me and just start feeling like, yeah, I got to start going to the gym. It's like, dude, relax. Like we're not even, like we're not even talking about that. I don't know what your ego or what your complex is uh, doing. But um, anyway, uh, being humble, keeping it real. Um, that's nice. Uh, nice job, Thanks. baby. Whoa, look at that. If you're, if you're listening, Katie's showing her fingernails that she's got dollar <laughs> and all that. So they look great. Thank Holy you. Shit. Yeah. Look at that. I helped Katie humble up when I first yeah. met her. Yeah, he really did. Help yeah. That. Man, looks good. She was Thank getting, you. Uh, she was getting into wrestling, had the biggest head and just thought she could do whatever and treat anybody however and I was just like whoa are you serious like I remember saying have you heard of the word humble like do you know what that is and and uh, anyway we both invested in each other and it was the best investment other ever because it's paid off and we're the happiest that we've ever been and we're the happiest people we know and um, I think that um, humility humility or um, being able to laugh at yourself is an important quality to make sure that you have because when you defend yourself, even when you're in the wrong, what are you fighting for? You're fighting for a stupid reason. So don't be that person. And I'm going to end that there. Will you film me opening my outfit, baby? Yeah. I like it, Rob. That was good. Did you, what, did you, you like that? Yeah, that was good. Right. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, uh, I'm helping some people because that's what we do here. Uh, not that yourself is the key. The key that, that takes away anybody's, you know, that oh, throws any, any shit at you, you know? So. Blur out the address if I just put that up okay, there. Okay, I'll blur yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just got this outfit from uh, Joe Holland, and uh, it is for my AEW match. We saw a picture of it. Katie went and got her nails done. Uh, they kind of matched the outfit, right? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you get a blue braid in your hair? Yeah, I'm getting that done in the morning. Oh. I got blue hair to match it. She's getting a braid in her hair to match my outfit. Right. So outfit to match it because she's going uh, to GR with RVD to oh, support. Nice. Nice. And so let's check it out. Uh, let's check it out. You heard me, baby? Yeah. All right, cool. The opening of the Joe Holland outfit. Still the man, Joe, after all these years, after painting my first outfit in like 90. You're showing the address. It. It's, it was off frame. It's just for oh, Joe. On hers, on hers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's why I just said Joe. Anyway, um, Iki Biki Bada Boo, Out I Pull, You. I don't know. Boom. All right, check it out. Oh, Lots of colors geez. here. Oh, right off the bat, this reminds me of Mike Lazansky, the Canadian Tiger. He wore colors like this in uh, 
in, in Japan. Oh shit, that looks nice. nice. And it matches Sweet. my nails. Let's see your nails up here, baby. Yeah, put the nails up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look at that. Right. <laughs> All right. So as you can see, I've been working on my tan. I got like uh, another tanning session, maybe a spray tan too, to make sure I can uh, look good in these colors. Of course, I'm in the best shape ever. And uh, this is another badass outfit. It was white. Yeah, that's what I thought. It looks wow, more like you... it's got more color on it. Yeah, like white yeah. outfit. I like it, man. Left and A. So. This is what you're going to see me on uh, wearing. At least nothing's absolute 100% till it happens. We know that in the RVDology world. But these are my plans. I'm going to be wearing this Saturday, AEW Collision. Boom. Don't miss it. TBS, TNT, Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Check your local guides. and uh, <laughs> Open up that TV guide. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, dude. Cool. Awesome, man. We're leaving tomorrow, just like you guessed. So get ready for another busy weekend. Heck yeah, man. Safe travels, Rob. Safe travels, Katie. It's been good stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. You guys have a blast in Grand Rapids. And hey, guys, we'll see you next week here on One of a Kind. Right. Thanks, Dominator. Thanks, everybody. I was waiting for some kind of sign, some the indication I was wasting my time I got myself about the